Welcome to episode 20 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, how are you? <laughs> Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm not bad. It's good. <laughs> I mean, I could complain, but no one's listening. So what's the I difference? Know. So, um, any exciting things happening? Not really. I mean, you know, <laughs> quarantine life. Yeah, same old, same old. So excited I excited about our episode. I am too. I I just had to. I and I know this is going to be a week behind, but I have to say I was so sad when I heard about Joe. Did you hear this Mm-mm. about Joe um, Pantaleone? Who's that? The Sopranos. Rob Sifaretto. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. He got hit by a car. What? Yes. Hold on, hold on. I got to look up the picture. Who did he play on Sopranos? Ralph Sifaretto. <gasps> no. Yes. The guy who's 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 wears a toupee yes. and they don't realize it until after they kill him. Yes. He, did he die? No. Okay. 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 But he's home. He has a concussion and like damaged chest, something oh, around. I really like him. He's I a great actor. Oh my God. So I remember him from. Do you remember Eddie and the Cruisers? Yes. <laughs> he played Doc Robbins. He played oh. Eddie. Eddie, Eddie. Yeah. What's that song? That good song. Oh, gonna, oh. Right. it's like a Bruce Springsteen yes. total, pull, you know, ripoff. I used to love. I watch. I was like a young kid when that movie came yes, out. Yes, girl. And I was in love with the guy that played Eddie. Oh, please! That, it's the brooding brow. I love yes. it. So cute. Ooh. And mm. then he, yeah, he. Spoiler alert! He pretends to be. Eddie. Oh, he, oh, I see. Yeah, now, you don't I got, no, I got to go back to and watch, watch it. that movie over and over and over and over. I did too, but I, I selectively remove memories from my childhood. I oh think. my god! <laughs> there's, there's times when someone says something, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, right he now. plays Ralph Sifaretto. I think uh, just the nuance of that character, like even the way when he wears a bathrobe and like, sh- <laughs> and, and he's in the slippers. Yeah, uh, in that scene with Tony shuffling oh. in the kitchen, it's uh, he's, he's no, brilliant. The the part where he beats that girl. Yes. That was insane. Yes. Oh my God. He was, he was like a psychopath. He's a psychopath. Yes. But it was supposed to be untouchable, I think. Right. Like that was the whole thing about him. He was somebody made. He was a made man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I think about, when I just said Bruce Springsteen, it reminded me of Instagram this week for some reason. I don't, I didn't follow him on Instagram, Bruce Springsteen, but then I, a picture came up like his wife had cut his hair, Patty Schlafly or whatever her name is. He is so, fucking hot he's still he's still good looking he's in his 60s right seven he's not 70 yet maybe 60s he is still so cute he he might you think so he might be pushing i mean i'm telling you what and why else do we love bruce springsteen because who's in the band still yeah (laughs) (laughs) sopranos bringing it back around it works works actually for the story that we're talking about it does wait hold on let me see how old bruce springsteen is 70 this year Mm. Or 2019, so he'll be 71 in September. Dang. Oh, he's... And did you ever watch the Netflix Bruce Springsteen um, on Broadway? No. <gasps> Tina, go home and watch it tonight and immediately text me. Okay. You ha- well, watch it with your husband. He's so wise. He's so smart. What what a life this man had. I mean, he uh. is so brilliant. Brilliant. I, I still hear Thunder Road. It makes me cry every oh single God. time it comes on. I am in love with Bruce Springsteen. Well, and uh, my favorite sort of thing that like the, the his famous song, The Born in the USA, that people don't really even realize 
what that song is about and when yeah. you listen to the lyrics yeah. it's so good and like it's these so and the people uh who really should be listening to the words mm-hmm. are it's like yes usa like why no. don't you take a what take a listen to yeah. the lyrics for five minutes as a and- kid <laughs> we were absolutely in love with bruce springsteen my friend brooke had a, a poster of his Born in the USA oh, album. Oh, with the butt. With his butt with oh, that handkerchief that, and, that, and those jeans. Was it a handkerchief or the cat, or like a baseball cat? It was something. Yeah. In anyway, I remember oh. a slumber party at her house where <laughs> we would all dare each other to kiss the butt poster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so stupid, but it was like, oh, he's so funny. Please. But he, let me tell you, the dancing in the dark video yes. when, 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 what her name, Courtney Cox gets pulled on stage yes. and they're dancing together. How every girl in America in yes. the world wanted to be that girl he pulled on stage. Hey, baby. And he yes. pulls her on. <gasps> oh, I think it was like eight or nine years old and I was totally in love with Bruce Springsteen. Oh my God. And here I am all these years later and he, that Netflix show will make you cry. It'll make oh, you laugh. He's so brilliant. Oh my God. He talks about. What it's like to be a parent and to raise kids and how you realize you have to, you're either going to lead them, keep them in the, like walk them to the future or keep them in the past. Cause you have to let go of, you know, what your parents did to you and what their parents did to them and what, so you have to let those things go to like bring them forward and make them new and make that. It's so fucking good. Oh, all right. That's, I'm doing it. Oh my God. I need this. I need this today. And All Thunder right. Road is just also, sorry, I know we weren't going to chit-chat long, but I, know. I could talk about Bruce Springsteen <laughs> forever. But Thunder Road is one of the most romantic songs I've ever heard. Oh. And when I hear it, I just want someone to like, you know, we just want this like love of like this romance of like being swept yes. away and like, come on, this is it. This is our time. We're going to run away forever together. Oh, oh my God. What is that? What does that know. appeal? I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I tried serenading um, <laughs> my husband the other day. Yeah. And um, I was singing <laughs> the Lady Gaga and... Uh, <laughs> oh, Shallow? Shallow. Uh, <laughs> so I was like doing dishes and I, I'm singing that song. And, and, and I, I was like, I was like, as I said, it's our jam. And he was like, what are you talking? He doesn't even know the song. <laughs> and so I'm like singing at the top of my lungs. But I have my headphones on so he can't even hear. Right. what I'm singing and he was so annoyed with me and so like the whole day um anytime was uh I made bread I was doing all different things and I was just singing at the top of my lips but it was I put deliberately I put on like uh some some cure song all the stuff that where I I kept coming up to him like oh and he was like get away from me and I was like I'm just trying to love you oh my god (laughs) He was like, he had, he had enough. Yeah. He couldn't handle, he couldn't handle it. He was like, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about this very special number 20. By the way, congratulations on 20. 20. I know. Dang. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's a lot of, it's a lot of episodes, people. It is a lot of episodes. And it's a lot of work, behind the scenes work and getting all this stuff done. And we have so many new things coming that we're really excited about working on for the podcast. And so we thought we'd do something a little special for episode 20. So talk about, Tina, what we're doing today. Yes. Today we're going to do a joint story. Yeah. And we are going to cover. And not the fun kind of joint. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a miserable joint. No, Sorry. no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's a soggy joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of stems and seeds in this one. Um, <laughs> so, 
For our 20th episode, we are going to cover the Kushners, Papa yes. and Baby Kushners. That's right, motherfuckers. Buckle the seatbelts. Yes. So I'm going to tell you the story of family patriarch and real estate mogul, Charles Kushner. Let's do it. All right. So Charles Kushner found and enjoyed success as a real estate developer. And while he hasn't held political office... His financial assets allowed him to influence politics in New Jersey. But when allegations of campaign fraud started to surface, Papa Kushner mucks up his once pristine <laughs> reputation. <laughs> I keep calling him Papa Kushner. Like, I it's don't know why. It just says, that's what I call him throughout this. So <laughs> bear <good>. with me. <laughs> so our story takes place in New Jersey. So hey. we already talked about it. You know what I'm going to say. Woke up this morning. <laughs> Got yourself a gun. Oh, my God. So that's all Forget I think about. about. That's all Forget I think about, about is like, uh, <laughs> and also a little bit of New York, but primarily we're in Jersey. Yeah. So before I go into the details about his alleged crime, I want to give you a little background on Papa Kush. So <laughs> now we're down to Papa Kush. Now, now it's Papa Kush. So Papa Kushner's a boomer. Yeah. Um, his parents, uh, Joseph and Ray Kushner, were Holocaust survivors who came to the States in 1949. He was born in 1954, and his dad worked in construction and as a real estate investor. And shortly after graduating from law school, uh, Charles Kushner took over his dad's real estate portfolio, and he founded Kushner Companies. Mm -hmm. And from there, he grew that portfolio that his dad started with, you know, um, his dad started buying up real estate and apartments, and he turned that portfolio into a million-dollar real estate Jeez. empire. Wow. And a 2002 article from the observer noted that Kushner at that time had 22,000 apartments. Right. 22,000. Yeah. That's a lot. lot. No. Yeah. A bank, an insurance company and a construction firm. So, you know, he's, um, he's not like, it, I mean, that sound to me, it sounds huge, but he's still not super, super big time, but he's still like a really prominent yeah. in Jersey, but also big time guy. So the grandparents, the, the father who was the immigrant, yes. he, the construction company was successful too. Yes. I mean, you know, Charlie came in and made it this whole other thing, Yes, um, but it was a huge, like he was able to build a lot. I think they called them the Holocaust builders or something, or, you know, the, he was part of a sect of Jewish construction yes. owners, build, construction company owners who were doing really well. And then he, and then he came and he the sun that, came in, yeah, yeah. and made it this huge company. Yeah. He came and yeah, he turned this into yeah. this, uh, this empire. Yeah. Um, and Amazing. then it's, yes. I mean, and this is, you know, again, it's that American dream. First generation. Story. He's first yeah. generation and, and that his parents suffered. Yeah. Um, Oh God! And I don't yeah. go into uh, the details of um, um, their experience, but even coming to America and and how they have their last name and mm -hmm. and all of that, um, just to 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 come to someplace safe and and they start this life and have all of this success. It's a it's a wonderful story. Yeah, they actually, from what it's I a understand, story. is they they had to lie on their immigration papers. Yes. To, to say they were related, name, to say they were related yes. to somebody who already lived here, right? Yes. So they, his his parents lied on these forms to be able to get in, right? For the, and it's like but that chain migration, yeah, because yeah. you have to have that connection. That's right to which, survive a Holocaust, right? Right. Which, yeah, it's you know, and, then, and now we see, right? 
As far as politics, in the 90s, he became known as a top fundraiser for Democrats, um, for senators, uh, for a New Jersey senator, Robert Torricelli, as well as Al Gore. He claims uh, to be friends with Bill Clinton. So he was like in those circles and he gave a lot of money. And in, di- in addition to his political support, um, he was a big philanthropist. Um, he served on several boards, including four colleges. He made generous donations um, to colleges, a medical center. He donated to the United Cere- uh, Cerebral Palsy uh, Fund. He funded two Jewish schools and mm. more. And a lot of his philanthropy focused on Jewish uh, causes. Right. I mean, his family, um, we know, is Jewish. They survived the Holocaust. So that was a really big, right. important part of um, his life and, and all wonderful, wonderful things. Yes. So... The incident that sort of gets Papa Kushner into trouble is he gets accused of making illegal campaign contributions to candidates and specifically to then Democratic Governor Jim McCreevy, who Mm. we could have a whole separate episode. I would love to. On just Jim McCreevy. We talked about him a little bit in the Larry Craig episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because he's one of those. um, Who's in the closet. He was in the closet. He's outed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, but but he was also a involved great governor, in, in yeah, right? he was a good governor, but yeah. he was also involved in some other shenanigans, mm-hmm. too. Um, he was um, one of the people that Kushner gave a ton of money to. Mm. And allegedly, without any authority to do so, Kushner made the contributions in the names of his partnerships. So he's he owns all of this stuff and he's in partnership with um, it, he had 40 different partnerships at the time. Wow. And so he's making donations through these partnerships, but he's not telling the partners, I'm making these political donations. Mm. He's just taking money <laughs> and donating it from these enterprises that he's sharing with other people. And you can't you can't do that. Like mm. you have to let your business partners know. And also the way that he was donating the funds and calling it different things, like that's where he got into that trouble. And so he ended up giving over half a million dollars in campaign contributions. Holy shit. And he, he didn't ask anyone if he could do that. And, and if I'm a partner with someone, especially if it's a political contribution yeah. in the name of my company, yeah, I, you, you got to talk to someone. You can't, you don't just do that. Yeah. And so that was where he starts. Um, that's, that's how he really ends up getting caught because a former employee claimed that he was doing these, but he was allocating funds to this without anyone's knowledge and files a lawsuit. And then Newark's U.S. Attorney General, mm. uh, Mr. Chris Christie at the time, my favorite, yep. Yep. gets involved. And then the U.S. Federal Election Commission mm-hmm. began an investigation. Yay. And so and one thing I found um, interesting is there were all these articles um, where they, they went back to Christie to ask him about mm-hmm. this particular case. And Christie calls him like one of the most loathsome people. And when you have someone like Chris Christie, who, you know, yeah, is, a, is not the best guy. Yeah. Calling you horrible. Like, dear God. Well, here's the thing, too. It's <laughs> like, why? What is why did he find it so important to give that much money 
to candidates that he would do that. Like, what was the deal? And well, and well, we're going to see is loathsome really a word you would describe <laughs> as somebody? I mean, maybe it's crooked and you know it's kind crooked. of bends an election well, a certain no, no, way, you, and that's well, not right. Well, when but you like, hear when you okay. hear oh, I know what he, he, yes. what he did. Okay, but as far as like giving that money. Right. What no, was he was the reason of why you would think that someone would want to give that much money to candidates. And we talk about this with the Republicans. Well, with like, this, there's a, it's cronyism. Um, okay. He definitely, it seems yeah. that he benefited. Okay. From McCreevy. Okay. So, um, this McCreevy Kushner connection, just to give a little bit on McCreevy. And like I said, we could have a whole episode on this guy. Um, his, Kushner's shady funding is one of the many things that sort of taints McGreevy's seat. Mm. Um, but what I found interesting, this this bit of cronyism is, you know, he gives all of this money and he donates a, a lot to McGreevy and um, David. And I'm forgive me, David, for pronouncing your last name. I'm going to try my best. David Kosianowiski mm-hmm. of the New York Times uh, wrote an article saying that McGreevy nominated Kushner to the Port Authority oh. of New York and New Jersey in February 2002 and was considering him for a position as chair of that committee. Now, that committee, that's a huge, yeah, huge, yeah, powerful. Uh, yeah, because that's, um, they were involved in the rebuilding of um, the World Trade Center site. Holy cow. Right? And so he's a real estate guy. Yes. Right? And so he has experience. You would think you were going to put people on the board that that have this kind of experience. But, you know, you're going to give all this money and now you have a seat on the board. Now you're going to be considered Mm-mm. for a chair position. It looks like pay to play politics. Yeah. Right? He's, he's and not so, doing it because he likes, he really likes, to, he wants, really wants the good guy to win. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> as a result of all that, so people are talking about, the, the this money, the illegal campaign contributions. And according to the New York Times, Kushner resigns from that position mm. saying he didn't want to put his family through the confirmation process, right? Because mm. it has all this drama now attached to it. Yeah. But he also claimed at the time that he complied. He said that he complied with campaign finance requirements. And he went on to say that the charges of the illegal campaign financing were baseless and innuendo. So basically he's suggesting that people were out to disparage his character and that this was just an attack on me and it's I didn't really do anything wrong. Like there's no evidence here. Uh oh. <laughs> and in regards to the resignation, McCreevy had this to say about Papa Kushner. His integrity, decency, uh- and commitment to the highest ethical standards are beyond reproach. I mean, it's like they're begging for I someone know. to just start looking into this, which doesn't seem I like know. it would take that hard to find. Right. What the and hell I wonder, he was doing. like, after he said that, is he like, let me let me eat those words? Like, yeah. Once everything comes out. Yeah. Because, I mean, the highest ethical standards. No, if I was an FBI agent, I'd go, uh oh, we yeah. need to now. Now this yes. is like a red Why flag. is McCreevy like, like, yeah. you know, elevating so, this guy? Yeah. So other allegations were on the way as well, and they include witness tampering and this is my favorite part which i'm sure you know but i love this so much it's so horrible yeah it's so just the level of i just feel evil and mean uh just someone who is just filled with spite yeah and anger (laughs) to do what he did so kushner's brother-in-law a william shoulder uh, was a former employee 
and his sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Papa Kushner's sister's husband, her, his sister Esther, Esther Shoulder's husband, was working with the feds along with his sister against Kushner regarding tax fraud and the illegal campaign finances. And some reports also talk about there's this family tension has been building up about you know, he owns all this. It came from like their parents. And so um, resentment. All of this stuff the is building it. that he's and he's he's reaping all the benefits. And it reminds me of that show Succession on. Uh, it's exactly what this. Uh, yeah. That, like, Tina, it's just doing the story. That's yeah. all I can think about is that family. Yeah. That's all I could think about. So but family is like the center of this entire thing. Yes. I mean, I know we're doing a father and son and that's obvious, but it's like the family relationships are so key to this entire thing from the grandparents down. Like it yeah. is so ingrained in them. But yes, I think the resentment, but he, those, all the family was benefiting from it. It's yes. not like, I mean, not the, not the campaign. I'm saying the no, actual no, no, company no. money. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. They were yes. all, yeah. They're working with the feds, right? Probably with and their so, arm bent by, behind their back. Yeah. Well, let's not, let's I mean, not act like they hate it. I mean, I don't think, well, I don't I know. think he's I mean, a bit arrogant and things like that, but I, if the, if the feds are coming at you and you're an employee, they really have to say do? one thing. You're yeah. either going to be going down with this or you're going to cooperate. Right. And I the mean, people do what people do and they squeal. They'll yes. help. They help. That's They're what they do. Sing like a canary, honey. Please. So Kushner decides to hire a sex worker mm-hmm. to seduce his brother-in-law, and it worked. So allegedly, the sex worker pretended to have car trouble, and was like, "I need your help. My car isn't starting." And then somehow, <laughs> that was a really good voice. I was just, I was about to go, "Really, honey? You need some car? You got some car trouble, baby?" So uh, somehow or another. The next day, they decide we're going to meet at a hotel, Mm-mm. right? And, of course, the um, hotel is set up to be recorded. And the <laughs> encounter is recorded. And he basically threatens his brother-in-law, like, I got this tape. And you're, you're, you're going to stop doing what you're doing. And he couldn't get them to back off, essentially, to not testify. Like, they're going to testify right. for the grand jury. So he sends the tape to his sister. Yeah. Of her husband, yeah, with a sex worker, yeah, and who and she promptly sends it to the feds. So can you imagine, like a like a sibling going to this extreme to destroy your marriage, mm-hmm. to hurt not only you but your nieces and nephews, like anyone tied, like the, the and the whole family dynamic. Because you did something wrong. Right. It's to protect himself and from his wrongdoing. And you are so mad that you're busted. Yeah. That you're going to destroy your family. Yeah. And and that you're going to, I mean, look, the the guy took the bait. So, well, he's, that's, he, you he's know, that was man. stupid. Like, he's this stupid. Is, this is sometimes, this, sometimes men are a little bit They're, weaker. Women have yes. weaknesses too. But, you know, yes. when it comes to the, the penises. I know. Eh. It's a little right. easy. It's a little too easy. I mean, you know, come on, bro. Wake right. up. I mean, this lady's looking for you. Are I you know. kidding me? Come exactly. On. Come on, and I, I, it's like the, that. the flags, he yeah. should have had some flags raised, but no. instead he had something else raised. <laughs> <laughs> so according to CBS News, though, Kushner actually hired two sex workers um, for $25,000 at the time, yeah. which is about 35000 I mean, well, that'll get the job done. That. That's like, uh, that's almost some uh, someone's salary. Yeah. You know? Uh, the other was another witness who declined the advances, though. So oh. there was another witness he was trying to uh, <laughs> screw over as well. 
Wow. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's crazy. So after being charged, um, but you know, it reminds me of like, sometimes you want to take a witness out. They'll try to hire somebody to, to kill them. This was like, <laughs> I kind of want to kill him, but right. I don't want to like, I just want to hurt my sister. Yeah. I'm going to destroy I wanna hurt, lives. Yeah. Yeah. I want to threaten him with this. I want to hurt my sister. It was like this whole other way of like, it's, it's, it is so beyond God. And that she had to like, Oh, and the other thing that, um, I found interesting is that he, there were some friends involved, like knowing that like, he was going to go do this and they, he wanted to send it not only to his sister, but to their children. Oh my God. To the children. And, and his <laughs> yeah. friends were like, no, no, no. The wife, it's enough. Just yeah. send it to the wife. There's and so no... thankfully, yeah. there were some people saying, well, well, imagine that they have to see that. That to me is even worse. Like these kids have nothing to do with your business, with, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would, like, it's, it's also hurting them yeah. at that point. Like you want to hurt your sister, fine, but why are you going to hurt their kids? Wow. That to me is beyond gross. Yeah. And that's allegedly, yeah. allegedly the Kushner's got a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we got to be alleged yeah. here. <laughs> so, um, the charges. So, um, ultimately he gets charged with 18 counts of tax evasion, mm. one count of witness tampering, one count of illegal campaign donations. So Papa Kushner pleads guilty, uh, to the following. So he doesn't go through. Okay, a trial. Um, a trial, right? He he pleads down, which we know um, is going to cut a lot of time off of any, um, you know, sentencing. And um, he notes that he caused a loss to the IRS of about two hundred fifty to $325,000 by helping write off charitable contributions as expenses. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, oh, these are business expenses. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was to the tune of a million dollars. Whoa. That he's writing this off. Uh, he admitted to the witness tampering, the, the whole uh, situation with the brother-in-law. <laughs> and he also admitted to making donations without the knowledge of his business partners. So he gets sentenced to two years in federal prison. Not bad. Please. Not a- he served 14 months. Yeah. He completed another 10 months of that two-year term at a halfway house in Jersey. He was released in 2006. He was ordered to pay 400000 uh, I'm sorry, $40,000. But I did see one article that noted, like, before the sentencing and, and all of that, that Kushner was fined uh, about a half a million dollars by the FEC. But mm. I didn't see anything further in terms of whether that amount stood after sentencing. You know, he had this $40,000 fine. Uh, I'm not sure if that went to the FCC or, or FEC or if there was this separate also okay. fine of half a million dollars right. for what he did. So I'm not sure how that worked out, but there was. Um, Which is nothing for him. Yeah, no. A little drop in the bucket. Yes. And then he was disbarred because uh, he had a law degree. So he was disbarred in Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. So as reported by some others of the New York Times, when sentencing Kushner to two years, Judge Linares, presiding over the case, said, it's difficult for me to reconcile the generous man with the revengeful, hateful man. Mm. But I must take into consideration the vengeful nature in which this was done. And I love this quote because it shows that duplicity of character. You know, it's like this Jekyll and Hyde quality because he was really known for all of this philanthropy like right. he gave a lot he was involved a lot and you know you're presenting one thing to the world but then 
he completes, he's like acting this completely opposite way. And this idea too, that every single human being has, you know, good and evil within them. And we're all capable of good and evil. And despite the, and when he was um, getting sentenced, it was hundreds and hundreds of pages, pages and pages and pages of letters and examples of his charity and goodness. But he still did very bad things, right? you know? And so no matter how much good a person's done, it doesn't excuse or make them less culpable for the bad. So, you know, he did this bad things, but he's like, but look at all the good that I did. Right. And somehow that's supposed to soften or or get you off of your responsibility because you did this. Like, I feel like they're mutually exclusive, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. When it comes to these kinds of things, and I think about even... You know, there was an ambassador that was in that Trump impeachment who was so, you know, snarky, but he was put as as an ambassador to, I believe, the United or European Union, EU. And um, it's he was just a hotel guy. He owned a bunch yeah. of hotels and like, you know, that kind of thing. And he had just donated a bunch of money to Trump's campaign. And I was thinking that um, that you just get rewarded. And so, like, what's the system? Like, he did this so he could sit on that port authority, right? Like, that's obviously yeah. why he was giving all this money. So like, is it the system or is it him? You know, is it the, yeah. is it the way the system works and now that's crooked right. and then you participate in it by doing it. But is that the way this is, is, is because he's such a great guy where they, and he didn't give all this money, would they have put him on the fourth authority? Like, right. Which, or which part his, is the evil or part, would the his system or him? Or would his sentencing have been greater if he didn't have 700 pages showing how yeah. good he was, you know? Yeah. I mean, so it, it, again, it's this, and we were talking uh, prior to recording about like having things on paper, like just because yeah. something's on paper, I, I don't know. Doesn't give it validity. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know either. So that's the thing that I, I thought was interesting is that, you know, fine, stack up at stacks of paper. Like, Oh, you're so good. Still, you, you sent a sex tape to your sister's husband. You were going to send it to their children because you were so mad yeah. and you're so spiteful. That's the true. I mean, I feel like there's the true nature of the person. So some points of interest. Um, So again, like I said, that Port Authority um, connection, because he's a Jersey guy building this, this, this real estate empire. And, you know, he's probably going to want to go to New York. You know, he wants to expand like that. He wants to grow like this is what they want to do. Um, So and he wants to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so having that position Yes. And, and having access to knowing like things that are going to build up. But one thing, and again, I'm sorry, people, I got to bring in the Sopranos here. <laughs> I have to. Because this is happening at the same time that the Sopranos was airing. Okay. Right? Okay. So this is like 2002. Uh, two, two, he gets out of jail 2000. It's, 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 there it is, like side by side. And the, the thing that, that um, on the show uh, a big thing that was happening, I don't know if you remember, is the Esplanade. You remember oh, this? Like, yes. That's the big construction project yes. that's happening, right? <laughs> and it's Tony Jersey working with New York, you know, uh, Johnny Sack. Yeah. And they're making deals. <laughs> they're, they're, they want to get a piece of the Esplanade. And the Esplanade was a state-funded contract, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're working it, the whole thing. They're 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 working with with people on boards and politicians and and all of that to make 
the development deal, right? Because they're going to haul that waste, right? That those construction, the no shows, the no works, <laughs> right? You get, you're going to get your insurance. You're yeah. not going to work any job. You're going to sit there in the folding chair. Yeah. And, and you're going to get paid, but you're going to be on, on, on payroll. The, the payroll to get all the benefits, right? But how is what they are doing any different? than what these politicians do when they pay to play. Yeah. You know, it's the same, like, you know, we want to look at organized crime and, and it's the same thing. Like it's the same hierarchy, you know, it's the same structure. It's the system. It's the, it's the, it's the same system. Yeah. So, you know, as I, as I was doing this with the, I was like, what, this is the Esplanade. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm similar. Like it just, so it's all dirty. Yeah. Um, so I had to, I, I, I couldn't, not bring that in. <laughs> so, um, um, another point of interest is, uh, Hanley of the New York times reported in a 2005 article that after pleading guilty, Kushner wrote a letter to his sister. So when he was like presenting, um, you know, all of those documents, one, one of them was this letter that he wrote to his sister where he says, what I did as an act of revenge was wrong in every way. I only ask that you forgive me for resorting to such despicable behavior, which is disgraceful. I was wrong, and I committed a terrible sin. How did I let hatred invade my heart and guide my actions? Did he write this uh, to his sister to add to the 700 pages of look what a good guy I am? You know, Mm. um, is it a genuine... I'm really sorry. I would like to think that it's somewhat genuine. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that when you're when your back is against the wall in the corner, like you have nowhere else to go, you you and your you can justify anything in your head as yeah. this can help me get out of the situation. Right. You know, and that's probably what he did. This will justify it. I this can't will. kill the guy, but maybe I can fuck with his life and and then he won't testify against and me. And then and 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 you know, and that that last line, how did I let hatred invade my heart and guide my actions? Yeah. And I have to imagine that he's he's thinking of his parents. Yeah, you know, the letter did go on, and um, how awful, you know. Um, it's just it's just a terrible thing, you know that that this this that these parents that suffered what they did, and then this is what happens to their children, you know. And from what I can tell from uh, the fam about the family is that father had built four mansions. In this little area, in this little, in an area in New Jersey when he was building homes and he built four mansions, one for himself and his wife and then for each of his children. Mm. And so Charlie and his family, you know, who we're talking about lived in one of those homes. Like this was a close knit family. Yeah. Every Saturday they celebrated Shabbat together or, you know, observed Shabbat together, would go to one home and have dinner together. This was not yeah. a family that, you know, they were, uh, you know, observed Orthodox, they were Orthodox Jewish. It was a very tight knit community and and maybe that is what drove the anger maybe it's like they're turning on me yeah like we are this super close family how could you do this like why wouldn't you have my back like yeah so i can see yeah the resentment yeah and i've created this i've made this this right and i'm helping everybody out i hired your husband this it's all that all of that so it's complicated it's it's family always is girl you know Look at and, the Sopranos. I know. <laughs> and I baby don't big. know. Baby big. Baby Kush. <laughs> I don't know if I, at the end of the day, could forgive it. You know, if my sibling. But then again, I feel like I'm always the one in my family that forgives everyone. <laughs> so um, that that would be a tough thing to forgive. 
Like, how do you... I wonder how they're doing now. I don't know. I feel like that would be tough. Yeah. So um, according to uh, a victor of the New York Times, Chris Christie, in his memoir, alleges that the reason he was ousted by Trump... Yeah. was because of baby Kushner. Oh, we're going to get into this. Yeah, so I, I only really make this <laughs> yeah. little point. Um, he alleged that according to Steve Bannon, baby Kushner was, quote, obsessed with destroying me. Yeah. And he tied that back to his role in prosecuting his father. And uh, uh, baby Kushner, uh, Jared, uh, claimed he visited his dad every weekend yeah. and stood by him claiming he was treated unfairly. Yes. So treated unfairly, P.S. Let me just do a little P.S. here about the prison uh, where Papa Kush was sentenced. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the Montgomery Federal Prison Camp, and it was listed by Forbes as the top 10 cushiest prisons you could ever go to. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't really suffering. And he did talk about his time. He helped people write resumes. And the the other thing that, that is great is that um, two guys that were imprisoned with uh, Papa Kushner now work for him. Oh, so, wow. um, as part of the second chances program, but it's like they, they met in jail. That's amazing. And one of them serves as the director of acquisitions and he went to jail for a mortgage scam. The <laughs> other guy that he has working for him is a Richard Gottlieb who served time for a pyramid scheme that included money laundering, fraud and tax evasion, and now works at his leasing consultant. That's amazing. It's amazing. It is. It's like, Hey guys, what? Yeah, oh, I got the second chances program. I'll just I'm say, innocent. Me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's like, oh, yeah, that was a good skit. Yeah, yeah, hey, you could be idea. a great asset. <laughs> maybe maybe we could uh, think about some other things. I don't know, but I thought it was funny. That is good. Um, and then just to go back to uh, Jared Kushner's support of his father, according to Best Levin of Vanity Fair, um. She explained that Baby Kush, when he spoke to New York Magazine in 2009, had this to say about his dad's actions regarding um, the tape. Uh huh. He said, his siblings stole every piece of paper from his office and they took it to the government. Siblings that he literally made wealthy for doing nothing. Yeah. All he did was put the tape together and send it. Was it the right thing to do? At the end of the day, it was a function of saying, you're trying to make my life miserable well, I'm doing the same. Yeah. So that's, he, it's like this I think spoiled this is, brat. Yeah. But it goes right into my story. Like Ugh. it goes right into Jared because here's the thing is this is where I think and we'll get into it with Jared, but I think yeah. this is the moment him starting to work at Kushner companies and then going to visit his dad every weekend in Alabama and getting an earful. Yes. I think but that, the, the, that this is the moment when Jared kind of turns and becomes something that. Where he's like, fuck everybody else. It's yeah. my family and that's it. Like I like when I say my family, I mean like his dad. His immediate his, his, family. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that this is the moment where he was like, my dad is the victim because that's all yes, he's hearing. That's how, and, and the fact that he says, let me go back to it. His siblings stole every piece of paper. Yeah. The, those pieces of paper were evidence of a crime. Right. You know what I mean? And again, if this is... Um, that 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 language, right? Like this playing with language is he's brushing over that part. He's dismissing it. Well, they um, were so, and, but, and that and that paper it contains a lot of information. So he feels like they sold out his dad. So it's not about his dad's innocence. Right. It's about you sold him out. It's about what was the what was the, what was the other side of that though? 
they weren't supposed to go take that paper. They should have shred it, right? Like, what were you sh- what were you supposed to do? Not turn into the FBI. You were supposed to get rid of it yes. and not allow my father to get in trouble for something yes. he did. You and, were supposed to help and, him, not turn him in, help him cover it up. Right, because because why? Siblings that he literally made wealthy right. for doing nothing. See, this is So the, he's hearing his dad yes. saying, these good for nothings, they sit on their yes. butts all day, yes. I'm giving them, I'm the one that built this empire, I did this, and I'm, I'm shelling out the money, because and this is how they repay me. That's right, because they went from a million dollar company to a billion dollar yes. company under this father. And so, of course, he takes all of the credit for that. He's taking care of them. How dare you betray me? It's this mentality of I'm taking care of you and you should do it. And you it. owe I, me. Yeah, you owe you me. You owe me. Yeah. And, 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 and what if it, okay, so when we, people go to jail for white collar crimes, which this is basically a white yes. collar crime, you know, what if he had murdered somebody? Just like that family last week, right? Yes. The Campanos or two weeks ago. Yes. Like the same thing, like what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to help you cover the body up? Because it's a crime. Like what, where does the length of yes. loyalty, how far does that go for you? I think it's, I, I give you money like that you, it, again, it's that it, to tie it back to like a mafia mentality. Yeah. It's the family. You're in the family. Yeah. What's that called? I did this Nostra, for you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I did this for you. Yeah. And that's it. Like your loyalty ends with like, that's it. Right. There's, you don't, you don't turn on anybody else. Um, allegedly Papa Kush also donated to Cory Booker. Oh. For years. Oh. And according to a Washington Examiner article by Stephen Nelson, and he covered, um, so this article was about a book by Vicki Ward called Kushner Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, that was released in 2019. And she alleges in that, that Booker and Kushner would meet in a stairwell to talk during the time that Kushner was regu- regulated to that halfway house. So oh. they would like <clears throat> meet up and have these conversations. Okay. Um, but their relationship fell apart after Booker supported Obama's Iran nuclear deal with allegations that Kushner was overheard yelling at Booker on the phone at a job site saying that Booker had, quote, betrayed him. <laughs> and so according to a BuzzFeed article by Tom Namako, Papa Kush said that ethics watchdog groups discourage, quote, rich, smart, successful people from going into government. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because they won't be able to cheat and swindle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And and again, it's this idea, if you're a public figure, you have to be held accountable. There has to be transparency. And if you don't do anything wrong, yeah. there's nothing to worry about. Why would you care about a watchdog group? Like they, they should be there. The function of those groups is to monitor for corruption. And then you're going to say that they discourage rich, smart, successful people from going into politics because rich, smart, successful people are swindlers. Like I don't, I and don't get it. And you pled guilty. You pled guilty. You didn't fight this stuff. You, uh, you went right in and said, I did it. So what the fuck, bro? I know. And then he went on to imply that he sees it as an attack on the rich, that these ethic watchdog groups are an attack on the rich. And he noted, quote, the daily barrage of negative media and the attacks they get. And they had a perfect, beautiful life and they still have a good life, but they sacrificed a lot. And he's talking about his family, specifically the scrutiny on his son, and what really have they sacrificed? Have they sacrificed their freedom? Yeah, mm-hmm. right? From public scrutiny. But you're a public figure now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, you you could have just stayed married to uh, 45's daughter, right? Mm. But you chose to accept positions. You chose to be in his ear, 
So what are you sacrificing? Don't go into public office then. Like, don't, don't, like, this hide is the in father your house. saying this about the son? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> All right. So um, also, uh, and I know Hillary is going to cover this, but Baby Kush's college enrollment was paid for by his dad with a $2.5 million donation. And in addition, uh, Baby Kush also, also enrolled at NYU for an MBA and a law degree. Around the same time that Papa Kushner leased floors to NYU in his puck building. So it's really convenient and yeah. all at a discounted rate. Oh, wow. Okay. And there's a lounge at the law school named after his grandparents. So there's a lounge named after the grandparents in the law school. They're leasing out the building and then he gets into NYU um, law. And so I'm sure he probably got in fair and square, right? Uh, who knows? He, he, and he graduated, right? So he did get the, he, he, it's not like he just went there and disappeared. Like he finished both these degrees. The other thing that I thought was uh, really funny was um, that Papa Kushner was not registered to vote. <laughs> and it, I, I think it may have been, uh, had the felony, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I don't know if he never reinstated it after uh, the felony conviction, but he noted that if he were to register, it would be as an NPA, uh, as an independent, because he didn't feel as though he belonged to any party. And he has, but he has been vocal about his support for 45. So he, you know, is he really truly in his heart supportive of 45 or is it, you know, because of now his family's yes. involvement with 45, no, that's what it right? Is. I mean, yeah. And then I was going to mention, but you probably know about baby Kushner's voter registration status and mm -hmm. like that. To, oh, okay. So here's a fun little thing that I found as I was looking up that, um, this other thing came up that, um, baby Kushner, um, uh, when he registered to vote, he accidentally registered as a female voter and for eight years was voting as a woman. Cause like the wrong box was checked. And like, so oh my God, <laughs> what the thought, fuck? I just thought it was funny, but they, so it was resolved and it was like an error, but it was just funny because there was all these articles that were like, yeah, he, he can't even check a box. Right. Or I don't oh know. My God. It was just sort of a joke. But anyway, that's the story of Charles Kushner, criminal opportunist and father to Jared Kushner, an equally shady fellow. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to hear this. Okay. I tried so hard not to read. I know, me too. But uh, I was reading, when I would start to read an article about him and it had history about his family, I would like start to read it and then I would skip because I didn't want to know yes. any of the beginning of it. You yes. Know? But it and is so, really I, interesting family. Okay, so I want to start talking about Jared Kushner when I read this really great quote by Amanda Marcotte from Salon.com. Um, it's this, here's the quote. By now, even the most appearance bamboozled pundits must accept that in all ways that matter, Jared is virtually identical to Papa Trump. He is as arrogant as, as he is incompetent. He's assured of his own expertise on matters he has barely paid attention to. Oh, God. He's shameless in his lying, and he's fully confident he can bulldoze his way past his myriad of failures simply by declaring himself successful, end quote. Oh, my God. So love. My, this is such a that's beautiful a, quote. That's it. a beautiful quote, and it's exactly when I read through Jared Kushner, and, of course, you just went through his what he, where he's coming from, but reading about who he was, where he came from, all of these things, the family, this is the family he was supposed to marry into. This is yeah. what he knows. He knows, Ugh. he knows pushing to be successful and he, the way he's done business and the way he's done things is exactly the way Trump was. If you look at him through the seventies and eighties in New York, it's the same exact thing. A lot of, one of the articles I read said, you know, Donald Trump was so easily accepting 
and hold him in so much confidence, Jared Kushner, because he sees himself. Like he's so proud that his daughter Uh. like married this guy that's almost himself you know like right. this well, guy growing what's they, up they, they say like the uh, people Married often marry yeah. your, their <laughs> yeah. fathers god dear god okay Ooh. so let's get into this jared kushner was born in livingston new jersey to Sarah kushner and charles kushner a real estate developer and convicted felon raised in modern orthodox jewish family which means they eat kosher foods and they observe shabbat on saturdays not like that show unorthodox yes where they live in a very tight community but the community was tied in a way, but they don't wear the gar- the clothes that the and they don't do modern, the hair. Yes, yeah, it's modern and, orthodox. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they lived in an expansive house on Fawn Drive in Livingston, New Jersey, with a large atrium and a floor to ceiling fireplace. And his home was the became the family gathering spot on Saturdays when they celebrated or observed Shabbat. Um, Jared's dad, Charlie, was the fun, athletic, athletic, and outgoing one in the family. <laughs> Jared's bar mitzvah was a black tie event held at a midtown. A hotel in Manhattan. Hundreds of people attended, including the members of the New York Giants football team. Oh God! Oh, a central part, so... a central part of the bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah ceremony is the reading of a story from the Torah. Jared read Beshlach, the part of the Exodus story in which God parts the Red Sea sea for the Israelites, that and then allows the waters to flood the pursuing Egyptian army, which I thought was really interesting mm. that's why i kept it in there i don't know <laughs> kind of like us versus them kind of thing right yeah. destroy your enemy at all costs you know yeah. what i mean kushner graduated from the frisch the frisch school a modern orthodox yeshiva high school in 1999 so they went to orthodox schools right yes from what i can tell about jared he was this very it was a very close-knit family not a lot of friends just very much family 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 mm. and so in 1999 jared was accepted to harvard university according to journalist daniel golden kushner's father made a donation of 2.5 million dollars to the university in 1999 not long before jared was admitted according to an administrator at jared's high school who describes described him as a less than stellar student and expressed dismay at harvard's decision Quote, there was no way anybody in the administrative office of the school thought he would get in on the merits, get, thought he would on hit the merits, get into Harvard. His GPA did not warrant it. His SAT scores did not warrant it. We thought for sure there was no way this was going to happen. Then, lo and behold, Jared was accepted. It was a little bit disappointing because there were at the time other kids we thought should really get in on the merits and they did not. End there quote. you go. Yeah. You know, it happens all the time. Every year, there's kids that work so hard to get in, right? Yeah. And then it just, money it's talks. Such a, well, and it's such a small acceptance rate. Yes. It's, I think they said it was one in nine at the time he was getting in, but now it's like one in 20 or something. It's like really small, the amount of people who actually get in. Acquaintances at the time recall that Jared wasn't very social when at Harvard. He mostly kept to himself and did not have a lot of friends. But I think this is also the time his dad was starting to be investigated, maybe. Well, 2000, um, 2002 to 2003, you know, so I think maybe he was like, it's coming he would down have been the pipe. On the t- well, he would have been on the tail end of his time at Harvard. Okay. Maybe so, he's just a shy kid. Maybe. When in Harvard, Jared bought and sold real estate in Somerville, Massachusetts as a vice president of Somerville Bil- Building Associates, a division of Kushner Companies. Imagine. Returning a profit of $20 million. Imagine you're like 20 years old and you're like vice president. You know, yeah. you're in college. I mean, you're <laughs> and he's more interested in like doing the real estate. Like he didn't go to parties. He wasn't hanging out and getting drunk. He's this making is what, $20 million. This is what he was doing. Come on. Kushner graduated from Harvard in 2003 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in government. Kushner then attended New York University where he graduated in 2007 with a dual Juris Doctor Law degree and an MBA degree. 
And then you talked about how I got in NYU. Okay. It was on his merits. I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah. And I'm not, and I got to tell you, when I go through this stuff, he doesn't seem dumb. I think he's smart, but I think he's smart. Like, um, um, what's his name from the Godfather? <laughs> Fredo. I'm smart. Give me a chance. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he's got this thing where I think he's got, I'm not dumb. Yeah. Like they say, <laughs> yeah, I got passed over. Yeah. Like, I think he's got this, there is smart there. But nobody um, regarded him really as like the person who should be doing all of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, hitting the book smart and, and being savvy in business, you know? So yes. he, he could, you know, you have to be pretty savvy to be able to do these deals and make, you but know. But also you can be savvy when you have a billion dollars yes. backing you up. Yes. You can take risks yes. with all this shit, right? Yes. So I don't know how much of a ballsy move it is yeah. if you've got your dad and his company backing you with everything you do. And naming you vice president. I mean. Exactly. Um, he entered at Manhattan oh. District Attorney, um, the, the Manhattan District Attorney's office, but due to his father's felony conviction, Jared then went to work at Kushner Companies. Um, during this time, he married Ivanka Trump in a Jewish ceremony on October 25th, 2009. They had met in 2005 through mutual friends. Ugh, I can't stand her. I know. It's Sorry. very, and again, a very like, you can't, it's, there's, there's, with both of them, when they talk, there's this very, there's this wall and you don't know who this person really is. And she, she just talks. looks like one of those Stepford wives. Like, it's yeah. just like, like this, this, I would love to see who the real person is. No, but like, I don't think we ever shell. will. Like, I. You never will. They're very reserved and they're very like measured. Like they're in public. They don't, you know, even the first time he, that Jared talked in front of a camera and you heard his voice, it was not what, you, you know, he's very soft spoken yeah. like this. And we think that like, it's just very weird. Yeah. The whole thing is bizarre. Did you ever see her in, um, oh, the documentary I'm gonna, is it about the Johnson and Johnson about all the, the rich kids? No. Oh, it's good. Like she's a teenager in it. Okay. Um, the name will come back to me. Okay, go on. Sorry. Okay, sorry. So uh, real estate. As the head, as the new head of Kushner Companies, he increased Kushner Companies' presence in New York City's real estate market. Kushner Companies purchased the office building at 666 Fifth Avenue in 2000, then for a record price of $1.8 billion, most of it borrowed. I'm going to go into this because I think it's really important to talk about what they did, and it seems a little bit um, wonky, I guess, but... It's important. Yes. Okay. So in 2007, Tishman Spire, along with the German investment firm TMW, announced the sale of the building of Kushner Properties to, I'm sorry, two Kushner Properties for $1.8 billion. At the time, it was the highest price paid for an individual building in Manhattan. The sale was unusual for several reasons. First, the Kushner companies had traditionally focused on smaller multifamily residential properties in New Jersey, and their only other building, Manhattan Holding, was the Puck Building, purchased in the 1990s. This is what we talked yes. about with NYU. Um, in a symbol of the company's shift in focus, Jared Kushner moved its headquarters into the building from New Jersey. Yeah, see, they wanna, they're, they're trying to spread yeah, those their, fingers. Yes. You know, they they want to yes. they wanna make this. Yes. Um, things up. That's right. That's how you do it, right? Yeah. Second, the building had no official asking price and was never officially marketed for sale, but instead mm. Rob Spire personally called potential suitors to let them know the building might be up for grabs. Third, there was an unconventional price. This was an unconventional price for such a short building in New York standards. At Just at 483 feet, 666 Fifth Avenue is not among the top 150 tallest buildings in New York City. 
which is how why you usually would pay that amount of money. Yeah. I've got the tallest or the second tallest, whatever, you know? Um, yeah, that's more expansive. I, yeah. But after getting, curious. Yeah. But after getting beat out on the $1.5 billion purchase of 1211 Avenue of the Americas by Beacon Capital Partners in 2006, Jared Kushner was adamant about not losing out on 666 Fifth Avenue and so offered an unprompted $1.8 billion in order to guarantee the success of the company's bid. Fourth, the majority of the deal was put together in less than a week. An wow. unprecedentedly, unprecedented a billion dollar deal. Yeah, short time frame to conduct the necessary due diligence for such a major deal. Finally, Kushner put down just $50 million in equity and borrowed the remaining $1.75 billion from a consortium of lenders. How the heck do you borrow that much? It's crazy. People can't even get a mortgage for a house. Yeah. And he's borrowing yeah. billions. Yeah. So in order to pay for the building, Kushner secured $1.215 billion um, from a senior, some CMBS senior loan from Barclays and UBS that was split into six different Parsi Parsu notes secured, I'm sorry, secured by GE Capital Wachovia. So these are different pieces. Like it's like they take the loan and they split it all up. Okay. So they split it up between these two banks. It's really, it gets a little complicated, but yeah. it's worth going through because it makes it makes you go, what the fuck was going on here? Um, the loan had a term of 10 years Dang. and was interest only for the entire term, meaning that Kushner would only have to pay the 6.35% uh, interest rate. Additionally, Kushner, Kushner, okay, wait, wait, wait. So let's go through it and then we'll, yeah. so additionally, Kushner obtained $535 million in mezzanine financing split into $335 million Senior tranche, which was like bonds, yeah, and a two hundred million dollar junior tranche, which is again bonds, backing up. So he's got this money coming in all these different ways, backing up the financing, and this is very key. Backing up the financing, Kushner obtained an appraisal valuing the property at nearly three billion dollars, seventy five percent more than the company had paid for the property just months earlier. Okay, so. According to New York Real Estate Magazine, The Real Deal, such a big gap between a building's purchase price and the appraisal value is unheard of. And the values are generally within 10% of each other. Right. Even during the commercial real estate bubble between 2005 and 2007. Yes. This is when I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to get the year again. Yes. It's right before everything exploded. Exactly. Yeah. So the banks also expected Kushner to be able to more than double the building's office rents from $53.5 million per year to $118 million. Uh, million dollars so they expected him to go in and then jack up jack- everybody's rates wow. uh, rents so that they would get more money right yeah such a such aggressive oh values God. i know such aggressive values were necessary in order to keep the building's loan to value ratio in a reasonable range based on the purchase price of 1.8 billion dollars so he's so desperate yeah that he's 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 just instead of kind of getting in a bidding war yeah he's just going to be like Boom. Or not Here's, offering that much money. Right. Why are you offering a yeah, billion dollars for this building? Because he doesn't want to go through all. He just wants to, I want yes. it. And I want it now. Yes. Uh, like the Veruca how can Salt. I do it? He's the Veruca Salt of yes. wanting to have a building. Yes. And now he's making a mess. It's a crazy mess. <laughs> um, however, using the appraised value reduced the loan to value ratio to more a more conservative 60, 60%, making it a credit, like safer for credit ratings. Now, this is what Trump does, okay? He overvalues things when he wants a loan. He undervalues things when he needs to pay taxes on it. When I say things, mm-hmm. I mean properties. Right. He will un- get an appraisal that will undervalue a property 
when he needs to pay property taxes and he'll overvalue it when he wants a loan for it. Right. This is straight out of the Trump playbook. Yeah. This is exactly what Ugh. Trump does. Okay. He overvalues a lot of things. Yeah. So more worryingly, the buildings, <laughs> more worryingly, the buildings in place rents yielded a debt service coverage ratio of 0.65, meaning that the building's net cash flows could only pay for the 65% of the senior loan interest. So it could only pay for that interest that he has on the loan. It couldn't right. pay the 535 million. It wasn't going to give him any returns. It was only going to pay this base loan that he had. Okay. I know. It's what, crazy. Why? And why? I think to get the name out, yeah. to like say Kushner Companies is Has here. This, and like, yeah. yeah. And now we're going to start building this New York presence. Yes. Yeah. So if Kushner was unable to raise the rents to the levels anticipated, the building would lose millions of dollars a year just in interest payments on the senior loan. Okay. So then at the start of the financial crisis of 2007 to 2008, in December 2007, Citigroup, which if you look at a picture, we'll have it in our Instagram, Citigroup's name is on the building. Um, they were the main office yeah. holder they rented out you know f whatever uh floors in this building uh in december 2007 citigroup announced they would not renew their 75,000 square foot of this their space in the building's third floor after it expired in august 2008 because they're gonna because jack now, up the price and the banks are now plummeting yes. right so now with the, the market crash the banks are plummeting they're like we got to start letting yeah. go of these rent we can't rent an entire floor of a building right. and, and we're not so gonna pay double that, the price for it either and this is where he was supposed to get money from rent and now yeah. he's losing a major their name's on the fucking building right yeah Whew. so I, I it just gives me so much anxiety i i don't take risks this is such a risk all of this it just gives me no the but he creeps. again like you said they have so much money that it doesn't matter yeah so following the property crash that year the cash flow generated by the property was insufficient to cover its debt service and the kushners forced to sell um the retail foot footage to stanley shira and bring in vornado realty trust as a 50 percent equity partner in the ownership of, of the building by that time kushner companies had lost more than 90 million dollars on its oh investment my God. and he was the face of the deal even though his father was pushing yes. for it he was the face of that deal and then what were you saying they went to qatar right yes so um, when they couldn't pay the mortgage on that building and this is shortly after 45's inauguration they visited qatar and they met with a qatari finance minister uh, to try to work things out. And then later, uh, Papa Kushner admitted that it was, quote, the wrong thing to do and that they, you know, didn't understand the rules yet. Right. Um, and so allegedly they met just to decline the bailout offer in person. So supposedly we're going to mm. some bailout and that they were like, no, no, we just went there to say, no, we're not going to take your money. It's so crazy. Which is weird. Like who, and everything is why like not just say it on the phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that a lot in, it with the yeah. family. Other deals that they had is on August 18th, 2014, Kushner acquired a three-building apartment portfolio in Middle River, Maryland for $38 million. In 2013 to 14, he and his company acquired more than 11,000 units throughout New York, New Jersey, and the Baltimore area. In 2015, he purchased 50.1% of the Times Square building from Africa Whoa. Israel Investments for $295 million. Dang. That's the building with the big screen on yes. it where the ball drops. Yeah. Oh. Apparently, that was a big deal for his family, too. Um, I mean, that's, everybody knows that building. Yeah, they, it's all yeah. about the the perception. Yeah. Um, okay, in March 2020, an episode of Netflix's docuseries Dirty Money, um, Isabel, uh, I mean, labeled Kushner a tier one predator in an episode titled Slumlord Millionaire. One of the predator strategies adopted by Kushner is referred to in the program as, quote, construction harassment, end quote. 
His rental companies initiated, quote, unnecessary large-scale renovations intended to make life so miserable that tenants flee their homes, <gasps> thus allowing rents to be then jacked up to an unaffordable, unaffordable levels, end quote. Oh, my. So they have, like, the, the um, what is it called? Like, the rent protection, like, uh, where you can't raise it? Yes. So then they just uh, start doing the these The name things. of it is ex- escaping me. Rent it's control? The, like rent rent con- control. Yeah. So we have this rent control apartment, and now this is the way? Yes. We're going to get them out. What? Yeah. Uh, it's so dirty. Another Ugh. strategy issue uh, involves pursuing tenants who had previously lived in one of his company's apartments, claiming they had not paid their rent since they left. In one particular case, up to three years earlier, like going after people just to get more money out of them, even though they didn't owe any money. What? Yeah. <laughs> in 2019, Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch filed a lawsuit against uh, acute a lawsuit accusing the Kushner Company of failing to take action on apartments with rodent infestations <gasps> and forcing tenants to pay illegitimate fees. Court records show properties owned by Kushner are continuing aggressive eviction practices and debt collection lawsuits against tenants who are waiting for government relief due to the COVID-19 crisis. Oh, my God. In 2014, Kushner, with his brother Joshua and Ryan Williams, co-founded Kadri, an online real estate investment platform. His business partners included Goldman Sachs and billionaire George Soros, a top Uh. Democratic Party donor. In 2015, Soros Fund Management financed the startup with $250 million in credit line. Kushner did not identify these business relationships in his January 2017 government financial disclosure form. Oh, so he doesn't have to? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to the security form. Oh, God. He purchased the New York Observer in 2006. It's a weekly New York City paper. He purchased it for $10 million using money he earned during his college years by closing deals on residential buildings in Massachusetts. Can you imagine? Everyone else is coming out of college with debt. Yeah. They're eating ramen noodles. You know how many ramen noodles? (laughs) And just, I, I remember just even going to my parents' house. I would go to my parents' house and like fill up. I, I grocery shop in their fridge and I take stuff back home. <laughs> and this guy's coming out of college. Yeah, with money. With, and buying like a newspaper. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a newspaper. I know. He's 22, no, 23 again, years old. No experience. Dear God. Yeah. After purchasing <laughs> The Observer, Kushner published it published it in tabloid form since then Uh, he has been credited with increasing the observers online presence and expanding the observer media group with no substantial experience in journalism kushner could not establish a good relationship with the newspaper's veteran editor-in-chief peter w kaplan quote this guy doesn't know what he what what." (laughs) kaplan said quote this guy doesn't know what he doesn't know he remarked to his colleagues at the time as a reason could you imagine here's the worst part you have grown adults who have dedicated their lives to journalism yes or government service or tabloid father yeah or you know dedicated their lives and just this motherfucker walks in and is like i'm gonna buy the paper now like that's like me buying a paper i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and then i'm gonna turn it into a national Enquirer type like trashy tabloid and now you're working for him and now you're working for him oh my god oh Um, this poor man as a result of the differences with kushner kaplan quit his position kaplan was followed by a series of short-lived successors um, and it has been alleged that Kushner used the Observer as propaganda against r- rivals in his real estate. He'd always ask them to write hit jobs. Oh. He'd tell reporters, I want you to write a hit job. And they'd go look up this 
this person he's you know he doesn't like and they couldn't find anything he's like dig harder and they're dig like harder. I, there's nothing to but, but, but let's but let's but let's uh you know get on the fake news bandwagon yeah yeah in january 2013 <laughs> kushner hired a new editor-in-chief ken kerson and kerson had been a consultant to the republican republican political candidates in new jersey <clears throat> excuse oh. me according to vanity fair under kushner the observer has lost virtually all of its cultural currency among new york's elite but the paper is now profitable and reporting traffic growth it boasts six million unique visitors per month up up from 1.3 million in January 2013. In April 2016, the New York Observer became one of only a handful of newspapers to officially endorse United States presidential candidate Donald Trump in the Republican primary. Oh my God. But the paper ended the campaign period by choosing not to back any presidential candidate at all. Kushner stepped down from the newspaper role in, or his newspaper role in January 2017 to pursue a role in President Donald Trump's administration he was replaced by his brother-in-law, Joseph Meyer. Oh, my God. These people love to keep everything in the family. Oh everything stays in the family. I can't okay? stand this. This is, this is, yeah. So this is stressing me out. Let's get into the politics. Jared Kushner has been a lifelong Democrat prior to his father-in-law, Donald Trump, entering politics. He had donated over $10,000 to Democratic campaigns. In 2008, he donated to the campaign for Hillary Clinton, and his newspaper, The New York Observer, endorsed Barack Obama over John McCain oh. um, in that presidential election. After expressing disappointment with Obama, however, he endorsed Republican U.S. presidential nominee Mitt Romney in 2012. Um, in 2014, he continued to donate to Democratic groups, but he then continued his, quote, ideological conversion, un end quote, by joining his father-in-law Donald Trump's nascent uh, U.S. nascent, I don't know, nascent. U.S. Uh, yeah. presidential campaign in the field of the Republican candidates in 2015. Kushner had no prior involvement in campaign politics or in government before Trump's campaign. But hey, what's that going to stop you? Hey, it's only let's the, just it's only put our country in a high yeah. position. You're only leader of a uh, over 300 million people, but I you know, know, no, no fucking big deal. Yeah. Um, from the offset, fake it till you make it. That's their that's their logo. They're right. Like you just fake it until you get to where you need to go. This this guy, you yeah, know, this guy. But he's not even. I mean, he just married. He just happened to marry. Yeah. Someone. Yeah. Um, from the outset of the presidential campaign of his father-in-law, Kushner was the architect of Trump's digital online and social media campaigns, enlisting talent from Silicon Valley to run a 100 person social media team dubbed quote, project Alamo end quote Kushner together with Paul Manafort and Brad Parscale hired Steve Bannon's firm, Cambridge analytic to support the Trump campaign. Bad. I mean, you know, I don't, under, bad, 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 bad. This bad. is what I, they take people's information yeah, illegally. But, like but, it's not but good. Steve Bannon. And his rhetoric and, and the Kushners with this devout faith. I don't understand the partnership. I think you can overlook a lot of things. I mean, he's, he, there are some quotes we'll get into, but it's like he doesn't. I think he's dumb, too. I think there's nothing happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just, Kushner has also helped as a speechwriter and was tasked with working to establish a plan for Trump's White House transition team. He was for a time seen as Trump's de facto campaign manager succeeding Corey Lewandowski, who was fired in part of Kush in part on Kushner's recommendation in June 2016. He had been intimately involved with campaign strategy, coordinating Trump's late uh, visit in late August to Mexico, and he is believed to be responsible for the choice of Mike Pence as Trump's running mate. Kushner's sprawling <sighs> digital fundraising database and social media campaign has been described as the locus for his father-in-law's presidential bid, which we all know social media yeah. and internet was a huge part. Well, and how old was he at the time? You know, he's at that, 
he, he's young. Yeah. And so it's, it was smart. Yeah. No, no, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart. And so and he hired the right bad guys to yes. get it on the internet. Yeah. According to former former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, who worked on technology for Hillary Clinton's campaign, Kushner's role in the 2016 election was its biggest surprise. Schmidt told Forbes, "Quote: Best I can tell, he actually ran the campaign and did it with essentially no resources." On July 5th, 2016, Kushner wrote an open letter in, in the New York Observer, addressing the controversy around a tweet from the Trump campaign containing allegedly anti-Semitic imagery. He was responding to his own paper's editorial by Dana Schwartz, criticizing Kushner's involvement with the Trump campaign. Oh, I love this. In the letter, <laughs> Kushner wrote, quote, in my opinion, accusations like racist and anti-Semite are being thrown around with a carelessness that risks rendering these words meaningless. That was it? That I mean, was but it. he didn't address what the no, tweet and, said. And he's been, I, I think I get into it a little bit um, also further on, but like he... He says, I know him and he's not. So you guys can say whatever you want, but I know who I know this man. The difference is you see something and call it a racist. I know this person and I know he's not like that's the difference is I know him as a person. You don't. But just because you know someone as a person doesn't mean that they're not. I know. Racist. I know. Just because he maybe doesn't say things to you or treats you a certain way. Right. I know. It's it's. I know. I mean, and the, and the company he keeps and the language of those people, and he just doesn't care. That's He just doesn't care. He doesn't. Because he has it's money. It's family above all else with this has, guy. Yeah. You know, it's protecting it. It's, it's almost like he sees this as an attack again against somebody he cares about, like he saw with his father. And so now we're going to go all all in. Oh, God. Right. During the presidential, tran- the presidential transition, Kushner was said to be his father-in-law's confidant and one of Donald Trump's closest advisors, even more so than Trump's four adult children. Trump was reported to have requested the top secret security clearance for him to attend the presidential daily intelligence briefings as his staff level companion, along with General Mike Flynn, who had already had the clearance prior to his resignation. Kushner was reportedly an influential factor behind the firing of New, York- New Jersey Governor Chris Christie as head of the transition team, as well as the dismissal from the Donald Trump transition team of anyone connected to Christie. Man. An anonymous source familiar with the transition told Politico, quote, Jared doesn't like Christie, has always held the prosecution of his father against Christie, end quote. Right. Which, of course, Kushner told Forbes. But that, other people associated with Christie, like you're just going to. Yeah, no, all. No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's all this revenge. They're oh. all about revenge. No, listen, they go for the jugular, baby. Kushner told Forbes that the reports that he was involved in Christie's dismissal were false. He said, quote, six months ago, Governor Christie and I decided that this election was much bigger than any differences oh. we may have had in the past. And we worked very well together. I was not behind pushing him out, pushing out him or his people. Bullshit. I know. Come and on. And his father is so heavily influential on Baby him. Kush. Come on, baby Kush. Baby Kush. Go in the corner. On. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> um, oh, on January 9th. Trump two- certainly doesn't. No. <laughs> on January 9th, 2017, Kushner was named senior advisor to the president. Uh, formally, it's called assistant to the president and senior advisor. I he, can't even. I, can't. I know. He can't. He's failing upward, right? Like he consequently resigned as CEO of Kushner Companies and as publisher of The Observer, but not a lot of anything else. Uh, that first year they were in office, I think that they were reported Ivanka and Jared, uh, their net worth was like $700 million or something. Like they still were, and I think they made 
a certain like millions of dollars yes. while they're still in the White House, which and, is and not supposed to happen. No, I mean, and remember, I remember with Ivanka and, and the clothing. Yeah, we're going to talk about that right now. <sighs> okay, so after Donald Trump became president, illegal Kushner and his wife met with the Japanese prime minister and other Japanese officials while his wife was conducting a licensing deal between her namesake clothing brand and a Japanese government-owned company. His wife sat in on the meeting between her father, then president-elect, and Japan's prime minister, Shinzo Abe. Okay, so think about that. Yeah. Think about the conversation that they must have had before we go in here. You sit in between these two, so yeah. he sees that you're next to your father. Yes. And, or and, now, said, and now you want to make a deal. Me, so he Give knows me a that break. Yeah. Give me a break. It definitely is an image, though. It's saying yes, something. Yes, of they, course. It's, it's on purpose. It's strategy. Yeah. And, in, and this is, it's illegal. Yeah. It but is. everyone wants to go buy the handbags. And then didn't they like change the name to something else? I don't know, but so ugh. much money, so much money they make from that, from that garbage clothing and garbage. Yeah. It's bags. called like Adrian something or other now. Ugh. It's under a different name. Don't promo that. I know. Don't, don't That's the same. Don't buy it. Yeah. In late March, 2017, Kushner was also given the new role of leading the White House Office of American Innovation, where Kushner reportedly has been focusing on improving governmental Efforts with regard to veterans affairs, information technology, contracting, and the opioid crisis. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, God. Help me, Lord. Oh Help me, God. Lord. Help me. Oh, God. I can't take it. Opioid <laughs> crisis. Okay. Uh. Uh. I just, I can't help but put myself in these situations. Hey, Hillary, thanks for coming to work for the White House. We're going to put you in charge of the op opioid crisis. And instead of going like, I don't know anything yeah. about that. He's like, sure, fuck it. I'll do it. Like, yeah. Instead of saying like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not right. a person who has any experience with it. Because no. he'll just find someone to say, hey. That's right. That's just do, just take care of this for me. Yeah. What do you think about this? Yeah. Uh, oh, Kushner Lord. was involved in the sale of one, of 100 plus billion dollars of arms to Saudi Arabia. And during a meeting with Saudi officials at the White House, he called Lockheed Martin CEO Marilyn Houston to ask for a lower price on a radar system to detect ballistic missiles. No big deal. Just going to get her on the phone real quick. And oh, this is... this is We're talking about a government yeah. contract. And he's just picking up the phone, make a call, see what we can do. No big deal. Kushner's business activities in China have drawn scrutiny for mixing of government with business. Uh, Kushner's investment in real estate and financial services have also drawn controversy for conflicts of interest. In May 2017, the Wall Street Journal reported... That he had failed to disclose all required financial information in his security clearance applications, including that he owes $1 billion in loans. Another <gasps> Trump, Trump, uh, lovely tack that he has. Trump owes so much money in loans. Like, yeah. I don't know how he says he's worth anything. He owes so yeah. much fucking it's, money. It's such, it's all, it's all a facade. Yeah. During 2017, Kushner and his wife, Ivanka Trump, made $82 million in outside income at the same time they served as senior White House advisors. That is not no. allowed. No. That you are supposed to go in and put everything in blind trust and yes. you're not supposed to be involved in any of it. And he did it with some things, but not everything. And so who $82 million while you're of, working as, of, a, as a government official? Of no. investigating and putting charges on this guy. We got too many other things to deal with. I know. That's He'll the be problem. Pardoned. He'll be pardoned. That's anyway. right. That's the problem. There's too many bigger fish to fry. This bullshit. Yeah. And borders and shit. I mean, come it's, on. It's. How about this? In a statement released in September 2017, Abby, Abby uh, Lowell, Kushner's lawyer, admitted that Kushner used private emails for official White House business. 
No classified or privileged information was used on this account, according to his attorney. During the campaign, of course, for the 2016 presidential election, Trump reportedly repeatedly criticized his opponent, Hillary Clinton, for her personal email usage. Oh, my God. The emails. The emails. Please. But here's his son-in-law doing the same fucking bullshit. And his daughter as well. Ivanka did it too, remember? Yes. And in an HBO Axios uh, interview released in June 2019, Kushner denied that President Trump was a racist. When asked whether oh. birther conspiracy theories about President Obama, which Trump pushed extensively for a number of years, were racist, Kushner did not answer, saying instead twice, quote, look, I wasn't really involved in that, end quote. It in doesn't the- matter if you're involved. What is your opinion? In the interview, Kushner God. spoke of his own family's immigration history. Quote, it's a great reminder of how great this country is, end quote. In the same interview, he defended the Trump administration's decision to drastically reduce the number of refugees accepted by the United States, the lowest level in 40 years. Not to mention that he was in charge of the border wall. Oh, my God. Okay. He's he's second generation, Tina. Yeah. Second generation American. That's how fast he's forgotten what oh, his family has been through. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Here's my favorite oh God. Of, of Jared. Oh, God. He's now in charge of negotiating peace in the fucking Middle East. Oh, my God. We have had some of the greatest minds in the world trying to negotiate peace in the Middle East for God knows how many fucking years. Okay. And Jared Kushner is now coming up with plans. Okay. (sighs) Trump put Kushner in charge of brokering peace in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict Despite the fact that Kushner had no foreign uh, experience or experience in the Middle East. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand. No big deal. The, the, this, isn't, this isn't buying an apartment. I know. On October, I'm sorry, on August 24th, 2017, Kushner traveled to Israel to talk to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, with whom Kushner has longstanding personal links and family ties, no. causes, causing Palestinians to distrust him. Of course. Duh. Of course. I mean, come on. And that alone, he should say, for to do the right thing, yeah, if, I can't be involved. Yeah, this needs I to happen be involved. for everyone. For everyone. So it doesn't look right and no one will trust me. No, he is more important than that, Tina. He then traveled to Palestine to meet President Mahmoud Abbas in an attempt to restart a peace process in the Middle East. Donald Trump formally unveiled a plan authored by Kushner in the white in a white house press conference alongside Israel minister Benjamin Netanyahu on January 28th, 2020 Palestinian representatives were not invited. Oh my God. In an interview, Kushner said he had quote been studying this now for three years and that he had quote read 25 books on it. I've spoken to every leader in the region. I've spoken to everyone who's been involved in this. Everyone. Everyone. The plan has been characterized as requiring too few concessions from the Israelis and imposing too harsh requirements on the Palestinians. Both the West Bank settlers, Yesha Council, and the Palestinian leaderships rejected the plan, the former because it argued there was too, it was too biased in favor of Israel. He should not so be involved. We're back to square one. We're back to nothing with, with that. Um, Kushner's appointments... Uh, appointment as Trump's senior advisor in the White House in January 2017 was questioned on the basis of a 1967 anti-nepotism law, which forbids public officials from hiring family members as explicitly one son-in-law in agencies of office um, in agencies or offices they oversee. Of course. The law was passed in response to President John F. Kennedy's, Kennedy's decision to appoint his brother, Robert Kennedy, that as was, attorney general in 1961. remember that people flipped out. Of course. However... Kushner's lawyer said that it doesn't apply here. Okay. And 
because it's a son-in-law and not a direct oh. child. And then, on, oh. yes, but then the Department of Justice, of course, had to issue a statement saying um, the anti-nepotism law does apply to appointments within the White House. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they the, the, the lawyer said that it doesn't apply because this isn't a government agency. It's just the White House. It's not like Department of State or Department of oh. Justice. It's a White House, and that's not an, an, an agency. Oh, my God. Okay? And the, so I'm sorry. So then the Department of Justice said it does count because appointments within the White House falls under this anti-nepotism law. Of course. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I love people who just, they, they <laughs> need to pick the language. Kushner, two days later, was given the office. It was sworn in on January 22nd, 2017. It was given the office, which is physically the closest to the Oval Office. So in, um, let's talk about his security clearance. So on January 18th, 2017, immediately after his appointment as senior advisor to President Trump, Kushner requested top security clearance using standard form 86 questionnaire for national security positions. The request request omitted dozens of pertinent contacts oh, with no. foreign officials, including the meetings with these Russian officials, <gasps> right? Uh, which we'll get into. Oh, so failure God. to disclose pertinent contacts can cause security clearances to be declined, revoked, or an intentional failure Revoke to disclose. It. <laughs> intentional <laughs> failure to disclose can result in imprisonment. Kushner's lawyer said that the omissions were, quote, an oversight and that, quote, a member of Kushner's staff had prematurely hit the send button before oh my God. the form was completed. Oh, my God. Lies. It's always somebody else's fault. Lies. All of them. <laughs> In July 2017, Kushner had resubmitted his SF-86 form, this time disclosing contacts with foreign nationals. This was the first time that government officials were made aware of the June 2016 Trump campaign Russia, Russian meeting and Kushner's role in it, um, which we will get into. On September 15, 2017, Carl Klein, the director of the personal security office within the executive office of President Trump, recorded Kushner as having an interim top, secure, top secret SCI security clearance. This is like a... You get a little bit of security yeah. clearance before you get the real thing, right? Kushner and his wife were among at least 48 officials granted interim clearance, giving them access to sensitive compartmentalized information, oh God. detailed accounts of intelligence sources and methods. Why do they need that? Why does to his sit daughter in those need that? To sit in those meetings, but they're, but they're not even oh my God. qualified to no. be giving advice or to hear this stuff. It doesn't make it, any sense. No. Nor would I want that. Nor would I want it, right? Like, why would I want to be working at the White House? Good for you, Dad. Congratulations. I got to go back to my life. I'm making $80 yes. million dollars a year. What the fuck am I doing yes. here? Um, on February 27th, 2018. Well, what am I doing here? I think part of it is protecting him. They know he's uh, a, a bumbling fool. Beat. Yeah, he's offbeat. Yeah. Like, there's something not... It's to protect this brand, this family, right? Like, don't you think it's a cover? Because yeah, there's something maybe, off? Maybe they're just... Um, I mean, I it's really family, 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 family. Yeah. I Protected mean, maybe at all they're costs. Like the, maybe they're like the, 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 the Dick Cheney to Bush. You know, they're, they're puppet masters and they're the ones pulling the strings. And mm -hmm. that's how they do it. And he's the face of like the nonsense. I don't know. Yeah. On February 27th, 2018, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly downgraded Kushner's interim security clearance to, quote, secret status, along with other White House staffers working with interim security clearances. Now, Ch John Kelly didn't fuck around. Like, this guy did not like all the shenanigans that were going on with the family being there. Like, he, he had this had it. opens the door for it to continue to happen. Yeah. White House sources said that part of the reason Kushner had not been granted permanent security clearance was that he was under investigation by Robert Mueller, which was true. 
Kushner finally received permanent top secret security clearance on May 23rd, 2018. In January 2019, Trump told the New York Times that he had not intervened to grant Kushner's security clearances. However, on February 28th, 2019, CNN, CNN, citing three anonymous sources and the New York Times, citing four anonymous sources, reported that in May 2018, Trump ordered Kelly to grant Kushner a top secret clearance, which Kelly documented in an internal memo. memo. So he wrote down that Trump uh, told him to do it, Yes. Report which you need to do with everything. Write everything down yes. and don't destroy those papers. Uh, don't steal the papers and yes. destroy them. <laughs> Reportedly, this is the first time a U.S. president has intervened in such a way. He He's a first he, for a lot of things, I know. People. I was going to say he does so much. I know. So let's talk about the Russia investigation. Kushner's contacts with Russian officials have come under scrutiny as part of the larger federal investigation into Russia's interference in the election. Kushner has said he had four meetings with Russians during the 2016 campaign and presidential transition, and that none of those Russian contacts were improper. In June 2016, an agent of Emin Algorov reportedly offered Donald Trump Jr., Kushner's brother-in-law, compromising information on Hillary Clinton from the Russian government if he met with a lawyer connected to the Kremlin. So they're going to give him this information if you meet with this lawyer. A meeting took place on June 9th, 2016, and included Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., and Paul Manafort, who was then chairman of the presidential campaign, and they met with Natalia Belashnikia yes. at the uh. Trump Tower. According to Renat oh, Akhmeshin, who was also present at the meeting, Veselinkia claimed to have evidence of, quote, violations of Russian law by a Democratic donor, end quote and that the Russian lawyer described her findings at the meeting and left a document about them with Trump Jr. and the others. The Democratic National Committee cyber attacks were revealed later that week. Right. Between we Yeah. Between April and November 2016, Kushner had two undisclosed phone calls with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. In May 2017, Kushner's attorney, Jamie Gorlak, told Reuters that Kushner had participated in, quote, thousands of calls in that time period and did not recall oh, any with Kislyak. Yeah, and, I yeah. mean, it's so busy and so important. Yeah. I just, so they a month, all blend. Yeah, so a month after those two phone calls, in December 2016, Kushner had met with Kislyak. That month, U.S. intelligence off- officials who were monitoring Kislyak reportedly overheard him relaying to Moscow a request from Kushner to establish, quote, a secret and secure communications channel, end quote, with the Kremlin, using Russian diplomatic facilities. Nice. Now, why would you need that? Nice. Why nice. would you need that? Kislyak reportedly was, quote, taken aback by the suggestion of allowing an American to use Russian communications gear at, a, as, at its embassy or consulate, a proposal that would have carried security risks for Moscow as well as the Trump team, end quote. So Kislyak, a Russian ambassador, is like, what are you Can talking you imagine about? this fucking guy's over here asking yeah. me for this shit? Like, what the hell's going on? Also in December, which, again, why is he asking for this, right? Also in December 2016, Kushner met with Sergei Gorkov, a trained Russian spy who had then headed the VEB, which is a Russian state-owned bank. Former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer said that Kushner met with Gorkov briefly as part of the, his role in the transition and as mm-hmm. a diplomatic conduit to the State oh, Department. please. <laughs> I feel like this is oh, like, however, I know. However, VEB has stated that Gorkov met with Kushner on a private matter concerning his family's real estate corporation. Oh. Kushner companies, even though VEB has been under international sanctions since July 2014. So you're not supposed to No Americans no. are supposed to be doing business with this bank. 
And you're working for the White House now. And you shouldn't be doing any outside business. In July 2017, Kushner appeared before both the House and Senate Intelligence Committees in a closed session as part of their investigation into investigations into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. In October 2017, the Senate Judiciary Committee requested numerous documents from Kushner. Kushner's, Kushner's attorney gave the committee many documents on November, November 3rd, but the committee followed up on November 16th with a request for many additional documents it had not that had not been produced. Oh. In early November 2017, Kushner was interviewed by investigators from special counsel Robert Mueller's office. Reportedly, the interview focused on former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. God. You know, all these fucking traitors in our midst. Traitors in our fucking White House, by the way. In our fucking White House. And then where are all all the people that are like, America, America, America? They don't care. No. They're traitors. They're out for themselves. They don't care. They'll sell all. They'll sell this and country and under, out from underneath us to reelect this guy and to for, and for themselves and for themselves. Um, in October, I'm sorry. On December first, Flynn pled guilty to one count of lying to the FBI as part of this plea bargain. Bloomberg reported that Kushner is most likely quote the senior member of the Trump transition team mentioned in Flynn's plea documents, who is said to have ordered Flynn to contact Russia. Mueller investigated meetings between Trump associates, including Kushner and George Nadar an emissary representing the crown princes of the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. I mean, he's just, he's all, he's having tons of great meetings, you know, in August, 2016, Nadar offered to help the Trump presidential campaign. And in December, 2016, Nadar attended a New York meeting between the United Arab Emirates officials and Kushner, Michael Flynn and Steve Bannon. The transcript of Kushner's interview with FBI investigators was not publicly released in January 2020 as ordered by a federal judge. As the Justice Department stated, it required a security review by an unnamed unnamed intelligence agency. Let's get this out. Well, here we go. So the transcript transcript was released on February 3rd, 2020, redacted nearly in its entirety. This is just like, it's just black lines. Yeah, this is all black lines. The and Kushner. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are now on our extra special, lovely, long episode 20, where we get to why we're talking about them today, right? So oh, we, you had a different story this week. I had a different story this week. Yes. And then um, I was watching the news and you watched the news and I said to you, Jared Kushner's fucking killing me and he's yeah. going to kill the rest of us. Like he's, his, the, uh, an amazing Vanity Fair article came out. You should all go read it. We'll put it, it's definitely in yes. my notes. I'm sure it's in yours, but it talks about what has led this coronavirus pandemic and the influence that Jared Kushner, oh my God. a virtual moron, um, has had on the his president. Hand, his hand is in this. And how millions of people's lives are now affected um, from financially to health wise. And this this person we have now been talking about who's come from the man you talked about yeah. and his bullshit had a direct effect on human lives. Yeah. And when you... And what's going to happen? When you fail this way and get away with all of these things and, and your money can get you out of every fucking jam, but now human American lives are on the line... Yeah. What, what what this is where we're at. Where's the punishment? What's yeah. going to happen? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, let's so, talk about this, please. Okay, amid the coronavirus pandemic, Kushner was an influential advisor to President Trump and shaped the administration's actions. Before I finish, let me say this too. I'm not anti-Republican. I am anti-dummy. Okay? Yeah. I'm anti somebody coming after my rights and and any any other values that I have. I'm anti that. If you're a Republican and you're reasonable, like I, I can deal with this. 
I and I and I think Demo- there's just as many Democrats that are dumb as fuck, and we talk yes, about them too. Please, but just politicians in general. Yeah, and I'm not saying Trump created the virus, and no one's blaming Trump that the virus exists. Even though oh, I've seen no. that kind of thing, it's like it's not his fault. But as a leader, your job is to take action to protect yes. people. And when you're the leader of this country, and he he waited. He he, waited he was long. warned for a long time. And so when you're taking advice from a fucking moron because he's your yes. daughter's husband and whatever the fuck. And this the guy, is, and the guy the that he put in charge of the CDC. Yeah. This, I, these yeah. are the problems that you have created because of your choices of people you've put around yes. you. And that is your fault. So I'm just saying that much. Yes. Okay? So early on during the outbreak, Kushner advised Trump that the media was exaggerating the dangers of the coronavirus outbreak at the time. And Trump downplayed the dangers of the coronavirus. Who the heck is Kushner to even know because like, who are everybody's you? his enemy. Like everybody outside of those you walls know, are his enemy. It, like he just. So Kushner helped write the Oval Office address that President Trump gave to the nation on March 11th, 2020, along with Trump's far right advisor, Stephen Miller. <laughs> the I know that face, honey. The Washington Post wrote that the address that Kushner, who had, quote, zero expertise in infectious diseases and little experience marshalling the full bureaucracy, bureaucracy behind a cause, end quote, helped write what was, quote, widely panned the statement right yes during the address trump inaccurately said quote all travel from europe end quote would be prohibited and that the travel prohibit pro prohibitions would apply to goods <laughs> which means our import export, yeah. right the speech caused markets to plunge yeah as white house aides had to clarify what the po- actual policy was European leaders said they were blindsided by the address. I don't understand why no one is vetting the language. Because why would they do that? They're smart. They're the smartest people in the oh room, my Tina. God. The speech set off panic among Americans abroad. Among Americans abroad who had to scramble to learn whether they ha- could return back to the United States and under what circumstances. Yeah, this created chaos this. at airports in Europe and the United States. In the address, Trump blamed Europeans and the Chinese for the virus, describing the virus as, quote, a foreign virus, end quote. (laughs) Kushner also helped put together a March 13th Rose Garden event where Trump falsely claimed that Google was, quote, quickly developing, end quote, a website that could help test people for the coronavirus. Oh, my God. Trump also overstated a project intended to set up testing sites across parking lots across the United States taking the state and federal healthcare workers who oversee the project by surprise. Yeah, they're like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. When? How? No. On March 30th, 2020, The Atlantic reported that a website that Trump had said would help Americans to diagnose themselves and direct them to a nearby coronavirus testing site in a March 13th press conference had been a project between the government and Oscar Health, a company that Kushner had ties with. His brother. Kushner's brother, Joshua, co-founded and owns Oscar Health, and Kushner himself was a partial owner of yeah. the firm before joining the White House. So convenient. The website was quickly scrapped after that. Of course. According to, thank God for the press. Oh, my thank God. Thank you, press, for investigating and getting this shit done before it makes oh everybody crazy or kills people. According to the Washington Post, numerous rudimentary initiatives proposed by Kushner interrupted the work of other government officials who were seeking to manage the U.S. response to the coronavirus pandemic. The New York Times reported that one way that Kushner was seeking advice on how to deal with the coronavirus outbreak was to ask his brother's father-in-law, a physician, for recommendations. The physician then proceeded to crowdsource advice on a Facebook for physicians. Oh, my God. So you, working in the White House, have access 
to the top people in, in the, the world. world. Yeah, in the world. And instead, hey, you man. go to somebody you know in your family yeah. because you don't trust anybody yeah. else. Can you, you Google see, this for me? Do you see the fucking yeah. weird bullshit? Can you, can you Google this real quick for me? I need, some, I need to know. I'm going to put it on Facebook and we'll get... You have access to these people. You are in charge of people's lives. It's wild. And you instead don't trust anyone else. Imagine and only you're trust in a people Facebook group. You know. Um, uh, uh, asking for a friend. It's Can shocking. <laughs> it's shocking to me. But it's this very weird, uh, like, closed off life where you can't exist in any other way and except to people isn't around that you. physician saying, um... Why don't you go ask blah, 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 blah. I have, I have no like, idea. Who is this guy? I don't know. To, to go on Facebook. Yeah. In it's, April 2020, Kushner made a rare public appearance when in the White House briefing room, he defended the administration's response to the coronavirus oh. pandemic. In response to requests by state and local governments that the federal government distribute medical supplies to the states, Kushner said, oh, quote, yeah. the notion of the federal stockpile is that it's supposed to be our stockpile. It's not so, supposed to be the state stockpiles then, that they then use. The strategic national stockpile page. Mine, 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 mine. Sorry. (laughs) Are you done? (laughs) The strategic national stockpile page on the public health emergency website was then recon. They had to change the language on the same day to reflect the new interpretation of its missions. So he stood there, said something he had no idea about. And instead of actually putting a statement out saying, that what he's saying isn't What's true. Right. We're going to change the language on the website yes. to match what Jared Kushner just said. That is so incredibly just dangerous. So here's the like the and the, awful. the end of it all is this. As of today, yes, the United States has 1.16 million confirmed cases of COVID nineteen and 67,046 deaths. Yeah, and because this person who we've described who has been fluffed up his whole life. Yeah. Um, and been able to fail on epic levels. Yeah. Was put in charge and, and he whispered in the ear brilliant. of somebody who could have saved lives. He downplayed all of this to a point where there were people around the president saying we need to do these things. And he wasn't listening to them. He was listening to Jared Kushner. Yeah. And now doesn't millions of people's lives are over. The, losing their jobs, losing their health insurance, losing their homes, dying. Because yeah. this person couldn't get his shit together or say somebody might know more than I do. You know? Yeah. It's 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 incredible and incredibly dangerous. Yet here we are. Well, I think this is the first time we've done a non elected person persons, right? But they're so closely tied to Yes. I mean we've done like people appointed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, he's in politics no he's directly affecting people's lives in government yes as a government official yes he's a government official both of them i mean he was appointed to that port authority bullshit yes girl i can't take it it's not right and that and 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 the people who um who who you know are were against you know uh we 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 were talking earlier about these dynasties and politics Mm -hmm. um who who you know against the clintons Yet they want a Trump um, all the way down to 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 Barron, right? They have the the timeline of who's going to come and who's going to come and who's going to come and who's going to come. And they love this family. And for what? I don't know. For what? Because he was on a TV show. 
because he owns some property? Like, why does he have value? Because he says nasty things and, and that appeals to you? I think they, I think people think that he calls out what they perceive as um, the status quo in government. But yeah. there's a reason why. But he is, but he has done everything that, that he claims to be bad, right? We're going to drain the swamp. We're going to do this. He hasn't done any of that. He works with all of that and they don't see it. Well, they don't see it because they watch or listen to one particular thing. And the same thing yeah. with, you know, my mom, when she calls me and she's going on about, she tells me things about Trump. I have no idea. I don't watch cable news. Yeah, I have no idea what I she's talking either. about. And she goes, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And that's because she's sitting watching CNN or something yeah. all day. And so her or point MSNBC of view is the more, but her point of view is skewed by that, you know? And so if someone watches Fox News, I mean, both sides are pretty bad about it. Yeah. You know? And, um, even like, like the BBC read something, um, <laughs> outside of the States to get a, maybe a more objective opinion. Yeah, because I think that we are blinded by this whole yeah. thing, but there's a reason why there's a reason why certain elected officials, why their uh, government officials look the way they do or sound the way they do uh, is because they, you want them to be reasonable. You want them to be well thought out. You want them to be right. measured. You want them, you know, there's a, a thing you're supposed to be. Yes. He's um, not any of that. No. And that and maybe that appeals to them. I think it does. And it's I, different. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's also, I think it's also, and you know, hateful. people forget what the position, what government is for. It's not a popularity contest as far as like, this has to be the best looking person or whatever. Right. These people are supposed to be there to guide our country, to protect our country, to protect us, to make laws so that we're all, you know, right. <laughs> taken care of to, the to, whole to make sure. Yes. The there's country, a reason why these things know? exist and it's not to upend the world and upend our lives, which right. a lot of what this administration is about is completely dismantling the government and dismantling even the, the, the department that was put together to cover pandemics yeah. is, was completely dismantled, which is another and, reason and why underfunded. it was slow to the uptake. And yeah. And he's someone that is focused on like ratings, you know, like, and, and they've talked about this for years, like the biggest crowd, the best audience, the most, you know, everything is the superlative that everything for him is, is using these superlatives about how amazing everything is. And that's all, there's nothing else there. It's just about being the best yeah. and not about what's good or what's right. You know, it's, it's or there's no, and, and really what it comes down to also which you can see in the press briefings, it's it's really sad because there's no there's no um, accountability when he comes to Trump. He doesn't. If somebody says, "What do you say to the Americans, families who have lost somebody during COVID?" He takes that as a personal attack instead of saying, "This is awful. This disease is yeah, awful. No, and we're going to get like, through he's it." Like, Look at you and your you're trying to 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 come at me. And he attacks the journalists for asking questions. Right. But it's, there's no. But there's no. It's not about you. It's about there are people dying and you're our leader and we're, you're supposed to be garnering some sort of hope no, and making people an feel like we're going to get through this together. And there's just, it's always about him and not about the people, which is not what a leader is supposed to be about. They're supposed to be voting, creating legislation to protect people and take care of them. What's the best for the people in my state or in my city. Yeah, and he doesn't no. think like that. It's about what he thinks is best. You're attacking him. You didn't well, create, no one's saying you created COVID. Nobody's right. saying that. What we're saying is Americans are out here dying. What are some, 
give us some hope. What what would yeah, you say no, to these families? No oh, this is awful. This is terrible. We're going to get through it though. Yeah. We want to make sure. No, there's just never. There's never. He does. He's given opportunity to be human, and the man just can't be bothered. It's it's sad and it's fucked up. And and I, I think I'm sorry to say that I think he'll be reelected because there's a oh, way. God, please, when you look at people protesting and going out there and arming themselves, storming a capital. Oh my god! I think that. Um, it's a level of anger and they're using it in the wrong way. They're taking it out on the wrong people. You know, you shouldn't be using that sort of anger towards government officials. They didn't create this. Right. They're trying but, to protect an entire state. feel like that it's been overblown. And so, because that's what they're hearing. Right. And when you have um, Alex Jones, the InfoWars guy in, in a, in a makeshift tank, whatever he was driving down the streets with the megaphone just the other day. We're going to get our freedoms back. It's, you know. But they're getting people, COVID. They're going out and getting COVID. I know. They're protesting and getting COVID. And then they'll survive it and go, that's okay. It wasn't a big deal. I survived right. it. Except you're asking for a personal responsibility. They think for these things should people. be lifted. Yeah. Because adults will, they'll do what they're supposed to do. But don't worry. Adults will wear their gloves. They'll wear their masks. And everybody will go about and follow the rules. You're not already, you're already not following the rules. Right. <laughs> you're asking us to lift sanctions on you and you already are not following the rules by being out here. So right. what do you, ex you're, now you want us to trust you and everybody else? This is to I protect know, people. It's not about you. It's not about but you. But they can't separate that. It's and astounding. It's what, well, and it shouldn't be shocking, but um, people's lives, they're expendable. Human yeah. beings are expendable. And so rushing to go back when there's no way places are prepared for this is not doesn't make any sense and what you're t saying you're asking people to risk their lives right you're asking and people will do it tina because they need the money yes and so people will take those risks and go to work and because they need to make the money and what else are they going to do what yeah. else can they do and so it's we're terrible. putting the, it's it is terrible and it's not this is not the kind of country that we should be proud of this is not something to be proud of no. We should be embarrassed by the situation. We should be embarrassed that this many people got sick and that our leaders failed us at this time because we've got people running the show um, who have no business being there. Right. If Trump had just really taken all the CDC people and taken their advice and done the, took the warnings, we this number would have been lower. Yeah, that's a fact. We would have started you know? in January. But there's this image of like. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be great. Everything's, uh, it's just, it's, it's shocking. Just, it's, it's the numbers are, what do you say? Like, uh, you know, there's just like, oh, by next week, there'll be one case. Like, yeah. he just, but, but he, again, like you were saying, there's no accountability. He says things. Um, he offers people advice about bleach. Yeah. You know, about, oh, please. You this know, is so sad. It's and, so sad. And, and that there are people who listen to him. Yeah. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. That, you know, even the, the, the older couple with the chlorine tablets, no, it's, and then someone died. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's very scary. It's all, the whole thing is scary and we have to, what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to vote and we got to get everybody to vote. And that's our show for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Happy days <laughs> are here again. Have a good week, everybody. Oh. Everything's going to be just fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. We'll, Roses. We'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you did a great job this week. 
Oh, I liked it. I like this episode. I like Papa Kush. Papa and Baby Kush. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. I will see you next week. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. <laughs>